0: For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, good morning. I bet you guys can never guess what we're going to start a series on. Uh, we, We are starting a brand new series on the Lord's Prayer today. Uh, I'm excited. This is going to be a six-week series where we're going to dive into the Lord's Prayer. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you grew up in the church. And so the Lord's Prayer is not something that um, is unfamiliar to you. You've memorized it. Maybe you've recited it multiple times, possibly. You've, uh, you know, maybe even had a tattoo placed on your body of it. I don't know. But what I think is so interesting about the Lord's Prayer is there's a lot for us to learn. And I think sometimes we just kind of graze over it and, and not not really dig into what God has in store or what God is ultimately even possibly saying as he taught us how to pray. And prayer has been something in our religion for hundreds of years, right? The, The early disciples, the early believers, even before Christ, the Jews would pray as well. So prayer is not this foreign idea for all of us. But what blows me away is that when you read in the Gospels, the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to what? Pray. pray. Hold up. These young dudes have been doing ministry, doing life with Jesus for three years. And they ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Maybe it's just me. Can I just be honest with you? Like, maybe it's just me, though. Like, the thing that I would have asked Jesus is, Lord, Teach me how to walk on water always. Lord, teach me how to heal the sick on command. Lord, teach me how to do wonders beyond our wildest imagination. But the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. Does your prayer life make other people look at your prayer life and say, I want that? Is that the prayer life we have? Do people want our prayer lives? Do people crave the prayer life that you have? I know that's a loaded question because as I ask it, it's that gentle prompting even within myself of like, so Kyle, do people want your prayer life? (laughs) Like, it's a hard question. But I reflect back, even just the other night, as we're sitting down, my, my family, to our dinner table. And every night, <clears throat> there's this, there's, there's opportunity for us to pray. And so we, we get everything. We got the food on, on the table. We have our two girls in their height chairs, and uh, their food is on their, their little trays. And uh, Ari is over here, and, and she's already elbow deep in her dinner. I mean, this girl is shoveling it in before you can even cut the meat. She's already halfway done with dinner before anybody else has sat down. And then you have Kenny and Cash, and and they have to get their, their places just right. Sometimes Cash has to put, you know, like Bumblebee has to be sitting next to him in the right posture. And we're like, hey, there's not a place for Bumblebee at our table, right? But Kenny has everything that he needs and and. Then we have our, our youngest one over in the other corner, and she's shouting because we're not able to get the spoon to her mouth fast enough, and she's like, just give me more food. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm whittling away to nothing over here, right? And then it's like, wait, we got to pray, and Kenny's very good about this. Wait, we got to pray. And Kendrick, we're like, okay, who wants to pray tonight? And both Kenny and Cash? Oh, I do, I do. Okay, we'll take turns. Kenny, you start Cash. You can go at the end. Okay, so Kenny starts. And I love Kenny's gentle, kind heart. And it's a lot of times that, dear Lord, we just bless you. I'm like, where did you hear this prayer, man? You sound so much better as a pastor than I do. Lord, we just bless your name. We thank you for the sunshine. Lord, we thank you for the grass. God, we thank you for the nice weather outside. We thank you for our beds. We thank you for our food. Lord, would you just bless us? Would you, we bless you, Lord. And he goes on for about a good three to five minutes. I'm not joking. I'm like, hey. And every once in a while, it's like, amen. I'm not done yet. Oh. <laughs> and, then, and then he gets done finally. And he says, amen. We're like, all right, now, Cash, it's your turn. <clears throat> and this is Cash's prayer. It doesn't matter if it's 8 a.m. or if it's 8 p.m., okay? Dear God. Thank you for Jesus. Let us sleep all night. Amen. Let's eat. My man, you understand, right? Like, and as parents, we really appreciate that last part. Like, let us sleep all night in our beds. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 All the parents understand, right? But there's this reality, right? That so many of us have this mindset like, prayer has to be the right way. Prayer has to sound, and we have to have the right words. We have to write format? Have I blessed his name enough? Have I asked the right way for things from God? Am I doing this the correct way? Maybe again, it's just me. Am I the only one who has ever struggled to think like, do my prayers, are my prayers actually doing anything? It, God, do you hear my prayers? Am I even doing this right? Am I even doing this right? And I think that as we start to dig into what, the reality of prayer for our lives, I think there's some bigger things that we can learn from this. And what if what if prayer is not so much the right words or the right things to say or even the right way, but more it's the right posture, the right heart, that we approach God with the right posture and the right heart set? Jesus' example of how to pray models this. We're going to be in Matthew 6. This is the, the Lord's Prayer that we're going to be in. Uh, today. Um, And so if you have a Bible with you, if you have your phone with you, would you pull up Matthew 6? We're going to be in verses 9 through 13. Um, And this is a moment where we have to remember like Jesus is talking with his disciples and, and they just ask that very simple question like, Lord, teach us to pray. Like, how do we do this? So I think there's some willingness of the disciples to learn in this. They want to do this. And as Jesus teaches them, I think he also, in the midst of all this, in the moment of this, flips some things on its head. And he's really good at that. And this is what he says in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Give us today the food we need and forgive us of our sins. And as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's where it stops here. Many of us know there's an added line uh, as well that when we recite it, and it's in the other gospel, where the Lord's Prayer is found, that's added to it. But here's what's so interesting that I want to focus on this morning. I just want to focus on the very beginning. Uh, Most of us growing up, we would have learned this, this first phrase of, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The very first thing that Jesus starts out with, though, is, is those first two words. Our what? Father. Hold up. Our father. Our father. This this idea, these words move, and, and they're more than just words. They're adorning God and adoring Him as a Father. Think about this for a moment. Jesus calls God as Father, not just for him, but our Father. It's this collective, together, our Father. They're filled with adoration, filled with praise of who he is. And Jesus teaches that God is our Father, not just Jesus' Father, but ours. It's this intimate, impersonal first statement, first two words, our Father. Why? Why? Because adoration is seeing God's love in every single square inch of the world and continually worshiping him for it. Continually worshiping him for it. Adoration. That's the posture we start out with when we come into prayer. Adoration. Because when we adore God, we understand and we remember who God is. We remember who God is. We remember who we are. But then we also understand and we remember whose we are and who we are to each other. So we remember who God is. God is God. God is our Father. He is good. He is powerful. He is great. And we remember who we are. We are broken sinners in need of a perfect, beautiful Savior to come and rescue us. But we also remember whose we are. We are His children. We are His beloved. And we are brother and sister in the faith. So when we step into the posture of adoration, we remember all of these things in this first few moments here. And the word hallowed literally translates to make holy or to set apart, to sanctify, consecrate, or dedicate. dedicate. The closest commonly used English word is probably honor. Our Father is a reminder of God's intimacy. It's It's a reminder of Personalness with him and hallowing or honor is a reminder of his separatingness, of his majesty, of his goodness, his greatness that we can't even comprehend. And it's an active kind of prayer. It's an active kind of prayer. It's honoring, it's adoring, it's naming the greatness of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And Jesus teaches that when our lips open from the very quietness of our souls, from the very quietness of everything that we do, that when our lips open, it's a censuring place of contemplative silence. The words we speak first should honor God who is on the receiving end of our prayers. The very first things we should do is worship and praise him. Why start there? Like, why does an all-powerful, completely loving, holy, self-sufficient God need me to celebrate who he is? Try to comprehend with my own imagination the goodness and the greatness of God. Why does he need that? He doesn't. See... The Halloween business is not for God's benefit; it's for ours. It's for ours. It centers us back to the reminder that we need God's love and His mercy and greatness in our lives. That we can't do it on our own. It's not for Him; it's for us. It brings us to a place on our knees that when we open our mouths and we begin to to pray, almost certainly another name is being hallowed in our hearts. Maybe it's the name of accomplishments. Maybe it's the name of success. Maybe it's the name of being productive. Maybe it's the approval from somebody else or or the comfort or easy execution of your own plans, your self-will in all its destructive varieties. So when we first start with adoring and worshiping God, it brings us to the reality once again that I cannot save myself and I need him. Because he is God, and he is good, and he is great. I can't do it on my own. And without him, I am still broken and lost. And prayer always starts and ends with remembering who we are talking to. David Benner puts it this way, prayer is more than you could ever imagine because God is so much beyond what you can even conceive. We are surrounded by gods that are gods, that are far too small to be up to the task of holding our deepest longings, never mind the world's largest and most urgent problems. We aren't just talking to a God. We are talking to the one and only God, the Lord of heaven and earth, the King of kings, We are talking to the God that when he spoke, everything was created. We are talking to the God that he breathed our very breath into our nostrils and filled our lungs, the one who lived, who died, and who rose again. We are talking to not just a mere God, but rather the God of all creation, who at, at the end of the day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord and that he is God. This is not just some mere God that the world has made up. This is the God who created everything in an instant, and at his command, everything comes into place. We have to remember who we are talking to. We hallow that name. We worship and honor that name. The name above all names. And adoration, again, remember, is seeing God's love in every square inch of the world and continually worshiping him for it. A few years ago, um, I say a few years ago, wow, uh, it's been a while actually, Uh, I was in college and I had this opportunity to go with a group of people. I've shared a little bit about this trip before with some college buddies of mine in this college group and we went to this place called IHOP, not the pancake place, but we did have pancakes on that trip, but uh, it was International House of Prayer and so I remember walking in and there was a... Um, there's a worship leader, uh, Misty Edwards. And at the time, she was part of a band called uh, Jesus Culture, and they were they were incredibly huge at the time. And she was leading worship, and I, I'll never forget, it was in the middle of a set, in the middle of a song, where she just stops basically the whole entire band, like on a dime. Everything comes screeching to a halt. And, I mean, you can imagine, if you've ever been swept up into the moment of just pouring out everything to God and, and just a worship And then everything just stops. The the drums stop, the sound goes off, and then all all she starts to say is, I'm just sensing that we just need to spend time and we just need to allow God to speak over us. And so we're not going to play any music. It's going to get awkwardly quiet. And I just want you to sit. I just want you to still your heart, still your mind, to be quiet. to listen. She invited us to listen to the spirit as he hovered and shared God's love over us. She invited us to engage in a raw conversation with him, a raw conversation of what we are wrestling with, of of the, the brokenness within us, a raw conversation of maybe even my emotions towards God in that day, in that moment. But all of this came in a moment where she paused She could have kept leading the song. She could have kept going. But she just took this moment and she said, I want to pause. I want us to just be still. Just sit. I mean, many of us have heard that verse probably, right? Be still and know that I'm God. Be still. For someone like me, being still is really difficult. Guilty confession is I, I jam-pack my schedule so much that I don't have moments of stillness. My moments of stillness is going 75 on the highway in my car. In a construction zone, possibly. Because I got to get somewhere fast. I don't have moments of being still. Still. I'm I'm this guy who just constantly is going and going. How much more can I pack in? How fast can I go? How much adrenaline can I just move and go and push and not release? Be still. We know that verse. We've said it, right? Like, be still and know that I'm God. But can I just be honest with you? I, I think that We we understand and we we say that verse a lot of times, and that's great. But there's more to the verse that we always neglect to speak and to say. That's not where the sons of Korah in the Psalms stop. In Psalm 46, it's it's this reality where it continues on. It's not just be still and know that I'm God. There's a whole nother little chunk after that. And this is what they would say is is there's an end point to it. And it goes like, it says this, be still, know that I'm God. We love that. But then why? It's so that God is speaking here. I will be honored by every nation. That I will be honored throughout the earth. Be still and know that I'm God. So that I will be honored in every nation. I will be honored in all of the earth. It's essentially like the sons of Korah were were writing with this, and and the psalmist was writing this, and they said that there's an end goal for this. There's an end goal for being still. It's not just to stop what you're doing and sit for a moment, and then once it's done, you get back up and you push through and you just suck it up, buttercup. It's, It's a moment of being still, of pausing so that God would be honored. We're really good sometimes at thinking, okay, I just need to be still for a moment, a minute. And we do our devotion, and we sit there, and we're still, and then like our timer goes off. Or the phone rings. Or the notification comes through. And the next thing we do is we just do this. Okay, we got to move on. But what's the purpose of being still if it's not to bring honor? That's what the sons of Korah are talking about. It's so that I will be exalted among the nations, exalted and honored in all of the earth. It's the destination of this prayer. The promise we become aware of in the holy stillness. In the stillness, we understand that he's moved us to a place of exalting and honoring and glorifying his name. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. All of the world. How do you get there though? By pausing. Pausing is the prerequisite for adoration. Pausing is the prerequisite of adoration. It's this moment where we try to do this prayer thing in our hurried lives. We try to just go as fast as we can and we'll squeeze in the prayer where it fits. But when we do that, we avoid a full detox of the things in our world. It's just lip service at the end. See, we can keep this illusion up. We can ignore the truth as long as we never stop moving. Again, maybe you're like me and there's some things that I probably have kept in my life as such a busy and fast-paced life so that I don't have to deal with other things. Anybody else understand that feeling, right? If I just move fast enough, I'm going to leave all this in the dirt, and then I'm just not going to deal with it. (laughs) We keep up the illusion. But then you get to the end of the day, and you're exhausted, and you're like, man, I did so much today. I moved so fast. I got a lot done. And then you look around, and you're like, that's still here. Nuts! maybe I can lose it tomorrow. If we keep this idea up that we we try to play God over our own life, if I just schedule my way like this, I don't have to deal with this. If I just schedule my way like that, I don't have to worry about it. But what that does is it it withdraws us from the stillness of, of of God's presence. If we pause, we can start to hear him. And see him and radically experience him so that we see him being exalted and honored among the nations in the world. Exalted in the earth means God's presence becomes reality, becomes very visible, plainly visible. It means love breaks out everywhere that there is hate. It means that kindness floods competitions and sweeps it away. It means peace swallows up fear. Joy washes over jealousy. Self-control calms rage. Here's the way God promises to get all that done. Be still, pause, and know that I'm God. Pause. Remember what I have done. Look at what I am doing. And can you turn your eyes to what I'm about to do? Pause. Pause. The way one author, Tyler uh, Staten, puts it is this reality. He, I love how he term, the terminology he uses. He says it's defiant adoration, defiant adoration. It's this idea that to be still and pause in the midst of chaos and to adore God in the midst of everything falling apart, that's defiant adoration. To quiet ourselves in moments of unprecedented loudness around us, that's defiant adoration. To face our persecutors and to adore, worship, and lay our lives down before God is defiant adoration. The example he uses is, is when Paul is in, in jail, and they start worshiping God in the middle of the night, and the chains fall off, and it says the, the jailer is, is converted, and his whole entire family gets baptized that night and becomes followers. Defiant adoration. In the midst of hardships and brokenness and, and persecution, they can worship God and say, God is good, God is great all the time, even with blood running down my back from the whips you've given me. God is still good. Can I just ask what are the moments in our lives that we need to have defiant adoration right now? Not when it's convenient, not when it's when it looks good. <laughs> but what moments are you being invited to to have defiant adoration right now? See, we want I, I truly believe that we want to see more of God in our lives. We want to see more of him working. We want to see more of heaven on earth. We want to see miracles and wonders happening. But how does that come about? I think it's two things. I think it's radical faith and defiant adoration. I think it's radical faith and defiant adoration. It's two things that don't make sense to our world. Like many of you guys walked in uh, this morning. Maybe you're tuning in online. It would have been so easy for us just to continue to move on. But a week ago, we had, we had uh, 172 people physically here. A week ago, five people responded to the gospel. A week ago, we had two services. Like on Easter Sunday, we had more people here than what we've had in a long time. I celebrate that, and hear me on this. I I hate numbers. One because I hate spreadsheet, spreadsheets. Microsoft Excel, I think, is a direct result from the fall. Okay, <laughs> numbers and me, they just, we just don't go along. Okay, but I celebrate that we had a. One hundred and seventy-two people here, not because it's a really great number and it's wow, that's a great like we had more people here. It's because one hundred and seventy-two people came and, and and they were face to face with the living God who rose from the dead. I celebrate the five people who responded to the gospel message because that might have been somebody's first time responding or rededicating their life. And what that means is that they had a moment with the Holy Spirit, prompting them, moving them in their spirit to take a step even if it's a little step, raising their hand to say, God, that's me. I need a fresh outpouring. I need a fresh move of you in my life, and I'm willing to to respond in this moment. I want to pause for a moment, and can we just celebrate that five people responded to the gospel, 172 people came, and can I just share with you, more and more people are sharing the, 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 the service God is doing something in this community. God is moving. I can't share this enough. We've had new people join and stick around, and then they are now calling me, Kyle, how do I get more involved? Kyle, I think God is asking me to start this men's group. or Kyle, I think God is asking me to start serving with, with the community. God, I think God is asking me to do this. And I'm sitting here like, yes. Yes. I'm not going to lead the men's group. God's asking you to do it. He's anointed you in that moment to do it. Walk in the anointing. Let his spirit pour out over you. I just pause. I am. I find <laughs> Thanks, Siri. I, I just want a, a moment to just pause for us. Because it's so easy for us just to keep plugging away. But just to pause and to just take a moment and just say, God, where have I neglected to just worship you for what you've done in my life? God, where have I seen a radical move of your Holy Spirit in my life that I haven't acknowledged yet? God, where are you inviting me to just pause and just worship you? Because it's, it starts, I'm just, I don't know how to word this. This is not on my notes, but I know many of us in here right now have kids that are sitting right over there. Parents, it's, it starts with us. The primary discipler of your child is not the people who are leading right now and there. It's, it's you right here. And when you take moments just to pause, man, God is so good. God did this this week. Man, we should just, we should just give God some praise together as a family. Do you know what that does to their little hearts? It sets them on the track to find little things where they see God and to say, wow, God is just good. This happened today, Dad. God is just great. This happened today. Can you imagine what it does to a little child's heart when they just start to see glimpses of the Holy Spirit and God working in their lives? It radically shifts their perspective. But it starts with us having the posture of just adoring and and showering out our adoration to God. And I know not all of us have kids in here. I, I get it. But every single one of us knows kids. Maybe you work with kids. Maybe you're around kids. Maybe you're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're a grandparent. It all starts with the posture and pausing, pausing. As we close today out, I'm going to have uh, Ashley, if you want to come on up. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for my voice. I'm, I'm thankful for Kenny's five-minute prayers that are more eloquent than mine. Because I, I truly believe that God has captured his heart and, and he has this tenderness about him. Just this tenderness, a deep tenderness about him. And I know that his prayers just move God's heart. But I also am so thankful for Cash. And Cash is just little prayer that's the same exact thing, no matter what time of the day. I truly believe that that prayer, Cash's little prayer, moves God's heart. Why? Because Cash's prayer, he prays that with every single ounce of his heart. Lord, God, thank you for Jesus. He means that. Thank you for Jesus. Let us sleep all night. He really means that. It moves the heart of our Father who is in heaven. And when we take a moment to hollow his name, to worship, adore, and praise God, we remember that adoration is seeking God's love in every square inch of the world. And we continually worship him for it, over and over again. So maybe you're sitting here and you're like, okay, so what do we do now? Great question. Great question. The challenge this week is this, is take a few moments. And I mean this. To practice this, choose an ordinary place in a consistent time to pause, to pause, to breathe in his spirit and exhale the things of this world. Begin with moments of just stillness and pausing. And maybe, maybe you need some help. Here's some, these are Psalms of adoration. These are psalms that just adore God's name. These are psalms that just pour out from the heart of the psalmist of who God is, what he has done, and what he will do. What would it look like if you, this week, took a moment in pause, and you read through that psalm in the morning, and you just let it just brew in your spirit all day, and then before you go to bed, maybe before dinner, you go back to the psalm, and you just celebrate how you saw God working in that day? What if you got a journal and you start writing down where you see God work? What if you start showering God with your praises in the moments of of success and in the moments of defeat? What would happen? How does your posture in your heart change when we just adore God for who he is and what he has done and what he is doing? These Psalms are going to help us To remind ourselves, to be still, to pause, to remember who God is, and remember who you are in Him. And then live that out. Do your best to live it out without getting them confused or mixed up. That's where you start changing. That's where your heart starts moving, and as a result, the world around you will shift. I'm not preaching every six weeks in this in this series. But what I am asking is that the other people who are preaching in, in this series, I want to close every week the same way. And so here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to stand with me, please. And up on the screen, there's many of us, like we started in that bumper video even, where many of us have said these words multiple times. But my hope is this, my prayer leading into the series and throughout this series is that this prayer is going to start taking on a different weight for us, a different meaning. And so uh, during this prayer band, you guys can head on up too, and, uh, but during this prayer, I will invite you, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me out loud in a minute to pause, to center your heart, to just shower God with your words. So would you pray this prayer with me? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one father we come before you and we ask that you would just shower us with your holy spirit that your your presence would move us to a place of seeing you hearing you and understanding you like we've never done before lord we want more of you we want a fresh outpouring and a new move of you And so, Lord, we ask that right now that you would make us new wineskins to receive what you are pouring out, Lord. We ask this. Come, Holy Spirit.